Hello and welcome to episode 67 of Good Games Well Played. I'm Clint, aka JCM, with us this week is Isley. Yo. And Zaya's going to be gone. She has a migraine, so she will not be joining us. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and jump straight into some news. We have the Baldur's Gate 3 will officially leave early access and be released in 2023. I believe we talked about this a couple episodes ago, how Larian Studios... Maybe we didn't count it, but I, I remember reading an article about how they were talking about how, I think it was a GDC talk, and how kind of like uh, they kind of overscoped a lot of stuff because they realized, you know, hey, let's, oh, it'd be cool if we could do this, if we could do this. And it's like, but because the game's very D&D driven, you can do anything you want in D&D, right? It's just a role check. So it's like, oh, we got to give more freedom to the players, more freedom, more freedom. They start overscoping like, oh, so they had to like shoot up their team, everything, and also releasing their early access for them. Uh, they feel it was kind of a, not like a negative thing, but they talk a lot about how they released in early access. And then there were people that had reviewed the game, but it's like, no, we're in early access. Like this isn't the complete game. Why would you do that? Uh, and I, I know I've seen, I don't know if I ever saw them or what size did it, but they're like, no, we clearly say this is an early access thing. Like this game isn't done. Uh, but there's some issues there and how kind of like, the early access model because they weren't able to kick out new content fast enough. It kind of feels like, Oh, here's your big moment. It's out. People talk about it. And now it kind of fades away. Like no one pays attention anymore. But I mean, that's kind of like the kick. Cause that's what happens when a game releases in general. It's like right now it's Elden ring. Everybody's talking about it for weeks and weeks. Cause they're still playing it. Cause it's such a big game, but eventually it'll stop. You know, when God of war Ragnarok comes out, it'll be the same thing. People talk about it, talk about it then it'll stop and then it'll just be people who pick it up later. who will talk about it. So like, that's just the standard cadence, but with uh, early access, it's like, you're kind of doing that ahead of time before your game actually releases proper. So I think in an ideal world, you're hoping that when you actually release the game, people talk about it again, because you know, it's finally released and in, in a complete state, but there's definitely certain games where that doesn't really happen. And I, I think of like, well, Fortnite's in the news all the time, but um battle royale games i feel it tends to get reviewed in an early access or like a beta period and then the final review is really just the same like it you never treat the full release differently in a game like that um but that doesn't really apply to something like Baldur's Gate, where it's you're releasing you know the first chapter or the first area to kind of test things um reviewing based on that like the game will change a lot it's going to be much different upon release yeah, I just I feel like a lot of games, there are games that do, you know, have early access, but they release content really fast. Uh, so it's they're constantly in the conversation. Oh, the new update for this came out. Oh, the new, you know, have you, have you gone back and played this next bit? Or, <clears throat> you know, oh, hey, Valheim added this thing or they did this thing. Like when you're in these early access sessions, if you're able to kick out content pretty fast, then you're usually good to go. It's it's this it, Again, they kind of they do patches, but it's still like the main chunk of gameplay that it's still been, regardless of what the patches do. It's like if you release like Act One, and then you just keep patching that to do balance and tweaks and stuff, but the overall content doesn't change. Whereas usually in most early access stuff, they'll add new content. You know, hey, here's a new new this, a new that. You know, uh, a pretty big upgrade. It is kind of interesting, though, that what they're struggling with is essentially the core concept of the game. Like, the core concept is the thing causing them problems. With D&D, you can do everything, and they want to replicate that experience, but in a video game, which, I mean, a lot of companies have tried. Um, 
you know, that's pretty much what RPGs are. They try to emulate D&D or role-playing uh, games. But the sheer fact that you can do anything in D&D versus a video game really by nature kind of makes it impossible to mimic perfectly. And uh, it, it's just kind of interesting that that's the exact thing they're struggling with. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, IGN, ga- IGN gave it an early access review, and it's like... Like a score? Yeah, they gave it a score of, of seven. Uh, it's like, here's our... I th- I think IGN... I could definitely see why that would be a bit shitty. I Yeah, be, I think because IGN's philosophy is if you can pay for it, it's technically a product, so they'll review it as it is. They will update the review later when the proper release comes out, but I wish they kind of treat it as a review in progress because um, that's something I like that they do. They've done in the past couple of years, especially games that have multiplayer or games that are huge, where it's like they'll play the bit. It's like, oh, I played the story for you know Call of Duty, but I haven't played the multiplayer yet, so here's the story review. Or, hey, I played some of it of this, but we're kind of waiting for I've only played multiplayer with other reviewers. I haven't played it on when the servers are live yet, so we want to see how they perform and how it goes, yada, yada, or there's more content or the day one patch. Uh, you know, so here's our review in progress. If we had to score it now, it would be this. And also the review label is, is indicated in such a way that you can tell it's a review in progress. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, I, and I get that, like, if you can pay for it, yeah, but it's like, I I don't know. It's not really disingenuous. Like they've got a point that if, if you can pay for it, it is a product and therefore like should be open to reviews, but there's definitely a bit of a, uh. It's a bit different. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it's a bit different. It's review and early access stuff. You're typically paying for the early access in order to like get a feel for what the game is. So you know, it's a product. You might want to know what it is. But just by nature of calling it early access, you know, it's not a final product, and you know that they're trying to do this to actually improve said game as opposed to. Like they're they're not releasing it early access as their hopes for getting their main sales. Right, exactly. It's it's meant to help them. And giving it a review score that early on just seems a bit like a slap in the face when the typical review like the point is to get constructive feedback from player bases but not damage your game in the future because you're trying to improve it before the official release. I don't know. It's a little bit different to me. Yeah, it, if it was like a complete like if you can go through the entire campaign like story bit but there was like missing maybe some missing features or cut side content because it wasn't there i could see okay yeah because now it's a complete package it's like i'm i'm not it's like well i was it was a bad example but i'd be like you know reviewing a a quarter of a pizza but it doesn't matter because the rest of the pizza is all the same um but uh yeah it's it's i i get why they do it again because you can pay for it but it's just it's it should be known at, as, and granted, they, they do label early access review. I just feel like, I don't know. And I, I, I'm i curious how many people who are in that early access culture uh, in gaming, A, do they care, you know, what something like, are they looking, like, because if they're interested in something, like, they're the hardcore of the hardcore, right, for that franchise, uh, or, you know, whatever potential game it might be. So they are going to do it probably regardless. And then, so I don't think there's anyone out there going, oh, hey, I saw that Baldur's Gate early access review came out. It's, it's good. I might go check that out. It's like, no one's, who's doing that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't, you, who's, rev- like, if you reviewed a demo, not, not that they pay for demo, but like, hey, yeah, I played the demo of this. You should go play it. Oh, that demo got an eight. I'll go play that demo. It's like, no, you just go play the demo. 
Did uh, you, you play the early access? No, because I didn't have a PC at the time. Uh, and also, okay. I'm I don't I'm not one of those people who likes to play early access. Like when they had the network test for Elden Ring, I didn't sign up for it. I I usually I've done it in the past. Where I've done like betas, and my problem is I I don't like depending on what kind of game it is. I usually don't like you know making progress, seeing all that content ahead of time, and then being like like that was a problem I had where uh, I did it with Divinity Original Sin two. But the only reason I did it was because your save data carried over. So it's like you could play yeah. act, you know, a, a big chunk of act one in that first region. And then the game, when it launched months later, you were good to go. I'm like, okay, well, that's awesome. I can play some of it now. It all carries over. I don't have to start over. Well, that's exactly what I was going to compare it to. Is I feel like people thought it was going to be more like Divinity Original Sins first act for the unwanted act or for the early access, not the unwanted access. Um, and this was definitely much more of a actual early access than what Divinity Original Sin was. So I think even because of like their past actions in games, people just expected something different, and it just wasn't that. Like yeah. they, they just got unlucky with, you know, expectation setting and not even expectation setting because they clearly explained what it was just with what people wanted and the early access for Baldur's Gate was not as good as Divinity Original Sin like there the issues with the game it was very clear what they were trying to work through and it was very clear that it was like an earlier access state than what Divinity Original Sin was which to me felt like a game that was ready to go right and it, they talk about that how like you know because again it's D&D it's with Divinity like you they already have their template from original sin one uh and the other divinity games so they they know what they're going to do the how they're going to limit the players whereas in this one's like oh we want to give them more freedom more freedom so you just keep going and going but i look forward to i'm i'm hoping like yeah it'll release in 2023 but i'm hoping that's not just pc i i'm curious how quickly they'll be able to turn around a console version because i definitely that's another game i'm very excited to play um i love the divinity original sin original sin. i mean we talked about this like why i love elden ring is because it reminds me a lot of you know Skyrim and Divinity Original Sin, uh, and I, I, I just want to play. I watch some bits of uh, gameplay for it, and I'm like, oh man! I, especially because of the dice roll mechanic of it. Like, I, you know, granted, Fallout kind of has that same thing where it's like, oh, you have a 76, you know, percent chance because your intelligence is this or whatever to persuade someone or not persuade, but you know, to do this thing. Like, you have a chance to do it. It's not perfect. So I love the idea of like, oh, I'm going to do this. And it just dice roll. Like, did I get it or not? And then do, what are the bonuses I have? Like, is that D&D aspect? Uh, I'm curious how much that's going to drive me nuts. Because I played like um, Neverwinter Nights and things. And the dice roll mechanic I loved. Like, Neverwinter Nights, the original one, said like the dice roll mechanics too. But I'm curious if nowadays, if I'm still going to love that or if I'm going to get like annoyed as all hell and try to like save scum. And I'm really going to try to play the game without save scumming. But I also kind of just know myself. Uh, so I'm curious what I'll what I'll lean towards. I'm sure they'll probably have like difficulty sliders for how how much of a handicap it'll give you on the dice roll. Like, oh, I want to play, but I want like a story mode difficulty on the dice roll so that way if i roll you know i always get a plus 10 on my roll or whatever like i'm right. sure they have something like that so that way if you if you don't want to go through that and you kind of just want to experience the story as a choose your own adventure kind of thing where you're all decisions you make matter and they're not you know you don't have that chance of not passing it 
I could see, you know, maybe they have that. So you can have two different two different play styles you can do. You can do the D D style, um, or you can do that. Obviously, like maybe if they allow you to customize, like, yeah, give it to me in the combat, but not in <clears throat> you know the dialogue stuff. But who knows? Um, but yeah, I look forward to that. And then we got the announcement of a new Tales from the Borderlands. Uh, Gearbox and 2K announced this earlier in the week. Uh, it'll be a new characters, new adventure, new tales. I never finished the original Tales from Borderlands. I picked it up. I think it was on sale one time after like a Game Awards or something like that. I played like the first two episodes maybe, but I've, I've never been one for that Telltale style of games. I I tried to like it. People said like, oh, Borderlands is like the... Tales of Borderlands is great because it's it's funny and uh, yada yada. I'm like, well, I like Borderlands, but I, I just I don't like that playstyle. So it's like I just I never went back and finished it. Like I had, I'm like I just I don't like this. Um, but I'm you know a lot of people are excited for another one because this is one of their favorites from that those series. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Tales from the Borderlands was one of the like easier ones to get into, but if you just don't like that style of game, Tales from the Borderlands isn't going to fix that. Yeah, yeah. You're, well, you're it, still not going to like that style of game. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily that I didn't like it. It just it never interested me. Like when when Walking Dead came out, like and I tried. I played some of the Back to the Future one, and like it was okay. Uh, I don't know if I finished it. Um, I think I was just doing it for like trophies or something way back. Then. I don't know why, but it's like I played some of that, and I was like, oh, I'll try this, you know, because it was cheap. And but yeah, I was just eventually I was like, yeah, I, this isn't my thing. I I don't know why I'm playing this. I mean, I agree too. I I like video games, and to me, usually, what the most important thing in a game is in or is is story. Like with Elden Ring, that's not really the case. It's the gameplay, the story, and that is kind of, or it's the, I guess, the feel more than anything. But with games like that, it really is just the story, and I do kind of find it hard to get into a game when it's. I, I've had the same issue with like visual novels and things. Like if it's just story and no gameplay. I find that challenging. I understand the concept of it and like why certain people like it, but it, it just isn't something that interests me as a game. I'd rather just have it as a book or some other form of media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right, moving on, we got the announcement of an expansion to Outriders called Outriders World Slayer. Yes. I watched some of this over the week. I watched a, an overview of the stuff and it adds bunch of new additions to all the key aspects. There's new zones, new enemies, enemy variants. There's two new five-piece legendary armor sets per class, new multi-class three-piece legendary armor sets, weapons, mods. Add, they're saying it adds about 100 new legendary items across armor, weapons, and mods. Also, you can uh, it can be played... All of this can be played by existing players with powerful characters, but brand new players can s- go straight to World Slayer by using the level 30 boost to bring a fresh character up to the required level for the campaign but the boost can be used as many times as you want. So you can create multiple characters. I'd assume do one for each class if you never played them and just go straight to 30 and then, you know, try out that new content. So I'm I'm interested in this because I definitely would love to play some more Outriders. I'm curious now because I'm like, okay, well, if it has new content and I'm assuming the level cap will increase, uh, I'm like, okay, well, if I get back in, then there's no point necessarily to do the you know, drop point or whatever they call them end game thing. Because if I get the gear in there, the gear I'm probably going to get from the expansion is going to be better. So you're in that kind of that classic, just going with what I have. 
And then, or do I still farm for that to try to make my class the best it could be in the current meta to go into that so I could play it on harder difficulties or something? Like, I'm curious. Uh, See, how, now with Outriders, when I played through it the first time, and I feel like you had the same experience, but if I'm misremembering, correct me. Um, I thought that the endgame stuff was very average or subpar, and the experience I enjoyed most in that game was playing through the campaign and, like, leveling up. I... It's one of the few campaigns where it's like a looter shooter where I enjoyed the process of leveling more than I enjoyed the process of actually like seeking gear. So for Outriders, like I, I plan on just when the expansion comes out, just playing through the story stuff again and not really worrying about the actual end game thing. And then when I get to that point, I'll give the end game stuff a shot since the the foundation was good. Just the execution had a lot of issues. Um but man, if they if they tweak that game and like fix the big problems people have, I'm really hoping it um, takes a no man's sky approach. And because um, the gameplay was a blast, I love zipping around in that game and all the abilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It says World Siders also making changes to the Outriders escalating endgame difficulty system by replacing challenge tiers with apocalypse tiers. These go up to level 40 and are considered an informal new game plus system. That increase is accompanied by a new higher level cap of 75 gear. And there's also Apocalypse tier uh, for these weapons where they have three mod slots. So you can even make them more customizable. Uh, So yeah, it sounds like, you know, I I like that they're adding this whole new increased difficulty. I'd be curious, yeah, if I just did like a a higher run through real quick of the main campaign, but before the thing came out, but I don't know. We'll see. I'll, I'll be curious to see when this... Uh, I'm trying to look for the release date here, but... Oh, uh, this June, so we'll see if I'm done by with Elden Ring by then. Uh, but yeah, it's I'm, I'm definitely interested in that. Uh, I think it's just also, if you have the base game, it's like a, a pretty cheap upgrade. I know they have, like, if you buy it, you get, like, a 48-hour early access to it, but I'm like, I'll just wait until it comes out and see what they... see what people are saying. Then we also got news that Amy Hennig is making a new Star Wars game. She announced uh, at Sky, you know, at Skydance Media. So not only is she working on her Marvel project, but she's working on a Star Wars project as well. So Man, she's been trying to get a Star Wars project off the ground for a while. Yeah, I'm curious how much of this will be leftover ideas from Ragtag, or if it would just. I'm assuming Rag the entirety of Ragtag, the IP itself. Since they scrapped it, I wonder if those rights are still technically EAs, or does you know Disney and Lucas and them own? Do they own it? Like, I'm curious how that works. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if she can even make the same type of game. Like, not even just Ragtag Story, which Ragtag Story obviously is probably completely off limits. Um, like any any major ideas that were published, but like, can she even make the same? genre game like you know call it something different change the character names but still is essentially ragtag like is that allowed I'm, i don't know yeah it'll be it'll be interesting yeah i'm curious how it works for stuff that because you know there's there's companies where like they don't talk about unreleased games because there might be aspects of it that they put you know gameplay mechanics that they put in other stuff it's like i get that but like when you have someone where you, you just scrapped it like way early on and you lost the main writer and your EA, it's like, and you like, you closed the, well, I don't remember if the studio got closed. Uh, but it's like, yeah, if you just 
scrap it before you ever get anywhere. It's like, how much of that do you, you know, own of an IP you never finished? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, there was a big patch to Elden Ring this week, uh, patch 104, which added a bunch of buffs to mages. Uh, it seemed like it's a whole list. Uh, a few changes to some strength, colossal, like the big old colossal weapons, but yeah, big old. Uh... It was it was an interesting patch because there were like three or four things that basically going into the patch, everyone was like, they're obviously going to nerf this. This is going to be nerfed into oblivion, this patch. Uh, and then the patch came around and those three or four things they fixed. They fixed the glitch mecha- or the exploit with carry and retaliation, which I had told you about when we played together. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like the other things people thought they would fix, they just like very, very, very delicately tweaked to the point where they almost didn't touch them at all. And then across the board, they just buffed everything else. Like every, this is one of those instances where, you know, I've talked about it a lot, but I, I generally feel that in single player games the appropriate path to take is to make multiple things fun as opposed to nerfing everything into oblivion with elden ring it's a little bit different because there's uh there is co-op and kind of pvp in elden ring and for this game they took the exact opposite approach of what i would have expected where they nerfed a few things since it's you know actually a pvp game and they they just buffed everything yeah like everything that wasn't performing well they just buffed yeah, it's, it's a lot of like, uh, you know, increased damage, decreased recovery time, decreased FP cost, stamina cost, increased damage, increased cast speeds. A lot of them were, for the spells especially, were a lot of increased uh, cast speeds. When I watched uh, Fextra Life's uh, review of the patch, and it, they kind of like sum it up where it's like a lot of the the spells are good, but it's like they just take so long to cast. It's like they're not worth it. Um, you know, in a lot of situations. So that's why he doesn't, he never used any of them in a lot of the mage builds he did. It's like, cause this, it's like, it's, it's no good. It's just, it's, it takes too long, but now he'll have to revisit some of those spells. Uh, and then, yeah, it nerfed some, uh, the swarm of flies, which apparently was like just way OP, uh, for its bloodlust buildup. And then it also nerfed the flame of frenzy and frenzied burst as well. It did. They, yeah, they touched on some of the like very broken builds. They didn't yeah. really nerf bleed, which a lot of people thought they would. They kind of indirectly nerfed it by making sure that you couldn't get stun locked by it, which actually is kind of a game changer for it. Um, the damage is still ridiculous, but you can't get stun locked, which is what would happen before is that you'd get stun locked and then you would just die immediately after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of nice changes there. They also added. Stupid little extra bit for patches quest, which I read up on, because of course I killed patches immediately. I don't get it. Yeah, I, I did that extra bit, and just why? There's there was no point. Yeah, it's a uh, it's ridiculous. Like there was just straight up no point in adding that extra bit. I, I I've guessed with you, but I'm like I literally have no idea why they even added this. It. Mm-hmm you talk to him in a different location end of quest you get a gesture like end of quest and it seemed like there's a there's a mid step for patches where he um you know seems like he's badly injured and it seems like it's leading somewhere and he gives you a key item and then that just like 
nothing happens with that. It just doesn't go anywhere. So I don't know if they just didn't have time to finish it and they like had to get Elden Ring out the door, which if that's the case, I wish From had given them time to finish it instead. But it just seems weird. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's... Who knows? We'll see if they do any more stuff in the future with patches. But uh, All right, well, that's it for the news. So we can go ahead and jump into what we've been playing. I know you finished. We talked about last week how you finished Elden Ring. Are you still playing it, or have you moved on to anything else? Um, I'm still playing Elden Ring because I've got, like, I need to do trophy cleanup, and there's some trophies that I want to get before I get kind of rusty with the game. Like, I feel like some of the ending trophies, I I want to just knock them out instead of putting the game down, coming back to it later, forgetting where I'm at, and then struggling more than I should on certain fights. Um, so I'm, I'm still playing through everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I ha- played this week, played with some of my cousin. Uh, we played some co-op. I didn't play a lot. I actually haven't played any of it this weekend at all. I've... Uh, I started, started and I, finished watching Severance, so I like didn't play any Elden Ring at all. I haven't seen any texts from you of like, hey, you want to do co-op? Yeah, and then I it's like during the week, usually it's like I, I played one night just solo by myself, and then one night I think I I just watched some shows for a bit. Also, it's like some nights the the baby's kind of fussy, so I'm like, okay, well, <clears throat> I don't want to stay up playing games, so I'll go help with the baby. Um, and then I, again, I played one night with co-op uh, with my cousin, we didn't play for long. We just kind of like ran around, did some uh, some side stuff that I I had unlocked. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, it's uh, it's still fun. I'm I'm kind of basically in the end. I've got I went to two of the end game areas, uh, and then it was funny when I was exploring around. Uh, I forget where it was. Oh, it was like a cave that I had missed in. It's kind of, I it's it's in Learning of the Lakes at the top, or no, it's it, it's not Learning of the Lakes. It's in uh, Altus Plateau, technically. And like, there's this cave I missed, and because I, I was watching some other guy play, uh, one of the other streamers before I catch up where NL is, and then yeah, he he was in this cave. I was like, wait, what the hell is this cave he's in? And I was like, oh, I guess I just missed cave. So I went to the cave, and it was a cave with two bosses. And I was like, that's so cool. Like, I wish more caves had two boss fights in it, like a hidden one and a normal one. I'm like, that's really cool. I like the idea of it. I was like, why didn't more of them do this? And then... Uh, there are a few like that. With two distinct boss fights? Yeah. Uh, I've only found... I've been to almost every cave because I, I typically before I leave an area, well, I just cave catacombs as well or the ruins as well. Uh, I guess maybe the ruins. I suppose I might have done some of those, but I'm, I'm just thinking about the caves themselves because uh, usually I'll, I'll I'll see. I'll look on the again, the Fetch Life map and make sure I, I did everything in a region. I'm like, OK, Limgrave, I'm all done. OK, this area, I'm all done. Uh, and I'll, I'll kind of go back and make sure I, I didn't miss stuff. Like, I, I missed a cave in... Uh, yeah, like, the one that jumps to my mind that you must have done because you did Ronnie's quest is the um, the Black Knife Catacombs have two bosses. The Black Knife Catacombs have two that's, bosses. Because that's where you get the Black, kni- uh, black Knife fingerprint for... Um, uh, for Rogier and... Uh, yeah, I did that. That's when Fia disappears... 
but I, I did that before he, I did actually his quest line. So like I can ask him about it. He's just he, at that point he was already, I'd progressed too far. So he was like, just non-responsive. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's still two bosses in that. Right. I, I like, I don't remember two bosses, two different boss fights though. Maybe you I, never found the other one. Maybe I, I might not have. I, I mean, I did it so early on in my, in my actual playthrough. I think I was like, I just happened to be in that area. Um, I forget why. Maybe I was trying to, does that, do you also get like a bell, like a, a bell bearing there as well or something? Um, you get, I might've been, no, I, I think I was the assassin, which is hidden. And then I can't remember what the other, what the other item or thing you get is there. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to go back and see if I miss some actual. But yeah, it was like this other cave was like it had yeah two boss fights, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. I like the idea of two different the boss cave fights. with all the hidden walls in it, the like nineteen billion hidden walls. No, it's got like a couple, but it's not as many as that one cave that does have them like everywhere. Like it, there's one at the entrance. It's like okay, well, you know, this is a hidden wall because it's like why would you run this cave with nothing inside it? Uh, and then uh, it had a black knife assassin boss, and then it had like some dude, uh, a necromancer or something like that. And there was like it's, a that's the invisible black knife assassin boss. Yeah, yeah. Which which is really cool. I like that fight because I was like, oh, this is awesome. I like invisible and like followed the footsteps in the puddles. Like that was a lot of fun. But then later, did you fight him invisible, or did you get the torch so that you could see him? No, I fought him invisible. I had the torch, uh, but I didn't use use it on because I I didn't know at the time that that was what it was used for. Um, cause I was just like, I had so many runes at one point. I was just like buying everything that all the vendors. So I was like, I'll just go buy everything. Um, so I fought him invisible and I was like, that was fun. But then later when I went to that, uh, it's like that town you go to with the Evergale where you have to light the four beacons. There's some, oh, invisible, wow, yeah. so you did get far. There's invisible black knife assassins there. And those guys, I like did some pretty good damage. And I was like, okay. I don't want to fight these guys invisible. So then I used the torch uh, specifically on them because like they were, they were so annoying. Like they hopped around way more than the dude in the cave. So I was like, okay, you guys are way more jumpy than, than this dude. So I do not want to fight you invisible. Um, but yeah, that was, that was an annoying, that man, that area pissed me off so much because it was like, that the, was a really annoying area. Uh, it was like you have to go way around just to get to the ladder to go on the roof. And then like I lit through the things and the guys with the arrows are just way strong. Uh, so I'm like, okay, I, I get through. I'm like, okay, I'm good. Kill the arrows. I like three of them. I'm like, okay, where the hell is the fourth one? And I ended up dying because uh, I I like the, the second archer was like behind. I, I shot him with an arrow from a distance and that kind of pushed him. But they didn't walk back up to where they were. They just kind of stayed ducked back where I had knocked him over. So later on, I went to that building. Uh, he went there and he started winding up his bow and I was at like full health basically. And then I went and swung at him and we attacked at the same time. And that bow just like did all my health. And I'm like, I have some pretty good points in vigor. Like, can you just kill me immediately? And so then I died. I was like, oh man, if I have to relight all these dumb beacons and be so mad, luckily you didn't. But then I was like, okay, where the hell is a fourth beacon? So I'm looking for it, looking for it. And I'm like, is it way over there? I'm like, how do I get over there? So I'm like looking at all the rooftops. I can see I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to get on this damn rooftop. I'm like, do I have to jump from this balcony onto this roof? I'm like, there's no way you're going to be able to, you can't run and jump. Plus you got the archer shooting at you, even though he can't see you, but he, he saw you go to that balcony. And I'm like, 
okay, maybe I can jump up this rubble and like I get up on the rubble and I go around, but then I'm dodging the arrow guy. Cause he's trying to shoot at me while I'm running on the rooftops. And then when I get around to it. I'm like, Oh, there's a fucking ladder on the other side. I was like, I was so mad. I was like, I could just take this dumb ladder and got up to this beacon. I was so annoyed. I was like, I hate this town. Uh, yeah. And then got out of there. Um, yeah. That, that whole area and quest line just like infuriated me. It was so annoying. And it's not like, it's not the hardest thing in the world. I mean, once you realize what you have to do, it's not so bad. It's just mm-hmm. the archers on the roofs, like kill you in one hit. They snipe you from a fucking mile away. Like, it just wasn't fun. Yeah. Yeah, that was like, come on. And play, again, I hate that whole thing. You have to go so far around just to get to a stupid ladder to get on the roof to go to the three initial ones. I'm like, I hate this. I hate when I have to go some long, dumb way to get up one path. It just drives me crazy. And then you can't use your horse. And I'm like, this is annoying. Uh, but yeah, now I'm, I got to the, the hollow grade tree or whatever. Um, but I didn't like do any exploring there. And then I went to oh God, that'll be an annoying place to co-op in. Uh, at, that's where my cousin's currently at. He has, he didn't finish that area at the time. Uh, but he was running around there. I ran around a little bit and just fought the, the bubble dudes. And there were some ants, uh, and then I went and killed the fire giant. And then I talked to Ladyface, and then went to the, the twister zone. And then I ran around there for a bit to get the first sight of grace. And then I stopped there. So I had those two zones to go to. My cousin isn't there yet because he hasn't made a, uh, I think he needs to make like a backup save. So that way he can, cause that's like the, end point for depending on what decisions you're going to make as far as which endings you're going to get. So he's like, yeah. he wants to make sure he saves it. So that way he can do blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't care. I'm not going to get the platinum in this game. Um, so I just, I just did it and now I'm there. Um, but yeah, so I have those two zones unlocked currently. Um, but yeah, yeah, I haven't done crumbling feral Azula. The twister place is fun and cool, but there's definitely some areas in that, that uh, like visually are just, extraordinary set pieces for Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love the aesthetic of that place. Yeah, I look forward to checking it out later. I'll probably finally play some today once I finish watching a, a movie I started last night. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I was funny. I was then I was doing some cleanup in uh, Consecrated Snowfield. Like that's where I realized, oh, I missed a cave or oh, I missed a uh, two field bosses. Oh, well, I knew one was there because I um, I checked on the maps like, oh, yeah, OK, there's one of those bird guys over here. Uh, but I forgot that there was a, also a worm, uh, that was there. And I was like, okay, so I got two field bosses to do in this zone. And I think I finished all the other caves. So I'm like, okay. I'm like, and it kind of annoys like, man, there's not really a lot to do in the consecrated snowfield. Like there's, it's for how big it is. It's pretty empty. Um, well, the consecrated snowfield is supposed to be a secret area. Um, yeah. It's, it's not supposed to be like a main area, but you're right. There's. there's a few things like a few points of interest but compared to like how dense everywhere else in the game is not nearly as much yeah like there's so much in like the the mountaintop of giants like even in the initial small area you can go in like there's a a lot uh to do there but yeah i'm uh i gotta go in it was funny i was running around and it was like i was just kind of like you know do to do just exploring you're checking some stuff out, just seeing if there's any like items or whatnot that I missed in the area. And I, I hear hell's bells starting in the distance. I'm like, okay, I got my ACDC going on. There's one of those things. Then I'm like fighting these guys. All of a sudden fucking 
just magic missiles flying down from the sky just out of nowhere. I'm like, what the hell is this? And then I just, I die. I'm like, I had like 200,000 runes on me. I was like, I guess I got to go back and get it now. I was like, what is it? Mausoleum. Yeah, it's the mausoleum that's just ringing its bell and launching (laughs) missiles. I don't, honestly, like, I've explored that area. I don't know why it does that. Like, I, I think it just is shooting hell's bells and it's just that's what it is that's well they all <clears throat> all of the muslims like have protection in some manner like the first one in limgrave has all the little ghost guys around it so that protects them there's the one in learning of the lakes that jumps up and down uh to try to stomp you um i don't remember what the other one does because i didn't knock that one down because i didn't care i think there's i think there's some of those uh horned beast guys uh they are protecting it uh and then this one does the does the magic stuff. So it's like, I feel like they, they all have some manner of protection and this one just has to be like insane with its. <laughs> this one's manner of protection is to just rain. It's hellfire upon you. Yeah. It's so, so ridiculous. Uh, but yeah. And then I, I, I found the church there. It's like, Oh, church. And then all of a sudden some ladies like, Oh, thanks for bringing me here uh, to like, there's some, some tall lady who's sleeping in the church. And like, thanks. You, I finished my quest now. I was like, wait, who the hell are you? So I'm like, I don't know whose quest I, is that the lady I gave the prosthesis to? Like, no, that's that's Latena. That's the archer. The wolf. The archer. The yeah. Archer. The wolf lady. The the wolf lady. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because she she asks. Well, she tells you about the medallion half, but she also <laughs> right. asks that you would like bring her body somewhere, and she says like you know, or bring bring me somewhere. Um, bring me somewhere so that I can be with like my body or my other half. So you you essentially carried her ashes to her. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's her body, but I mean, it is her body, but I don't understand why it's like a giant lady when she died elsewhere. I don't get that portion of it, but you brought her to herself. I guess. Yeah. And I didn't know That's if you could quest. attack it or not. So I was like, can I attack her? Cause there, there wasn't one of those no attack air things there. And I was like, but I was like, nah, I don't want to attempt it just in case something bad happens. Uh, but yeah, I need to go through and see like, okay, I gave the, prosthesis to that one lady way early on i was like i don't know where her request goes like i look at that um but yeah now i still have to i still have to explore all the sewers uh go down there finish doing that zone and then i got the two other zones uh to do and i think i only have like two i have two caves in the explore i just haven't done them because they're the chariot ones and there's probably nothing good at the end of them uh and then i think that's it and then i'll just do those zones and then i'm assuming there's like i think what another zone after that and then i'm done um but yeah i gotta and man it was so annoying when i beat the red giant or the fire giant like you get up on the the edge the rim of the the cauldron it's like this cauldron is way too big for giants to begin with um but then it's like i ran to the right but the grace was on the left i'm like wow now i gotta run all the way around this dumb cauldron because i can't just jump over the gap to get to the grace i was so annoyed and then i didn't realize i had a rest of the grace and then talk to whoever it is or whatever her name is the m name um uh it's like i went there it's like what the point what's the point of this cauldron and like i rested the grace and then i look it up and it's like oh you need to talk to her i'm like <sighs> i that one annoyed me i when I, it's like in hindsight, it's so obvious, but nothing in the game teaches you to really do that. With I guess the exception of like Gatefront when you talk to her to um, get torrents. But 
I I saw areas where I'm like, well, it looks like I can like maybe parkour down, and I tried like four different spots, and I'm like, nope, that killed me. Nope, that killed me. Yeah. And like I I touched the grace, but I'm like, well, I'm at full health. I don't need to like rest at it. I I figured you know it it would teleport me somewhere or there's something, and then you have to yeah you have to talk to her in order to get teleported. But I I took an embarrassingly long amount of time to figure out what the fuck to do after killing the fire giant there. Yeah. Cause in the other spots, when you rest, like when they make you rest at the base of the earth tree, like it makes you rest at the fire and then she comes and talks to you. And then later in the game, she comes back and she talks to you. Like you're making her have to, I have to engage the conversation now. And it's like, I guess you're doing that like to that way. It gates the player from accidentally going into one ending option well it's yeah it's it's a point of no return for the game of um yeah for your ending but i feel like just make her talk but then give the player the option like okay i'm ready or i'm not ready or something that way they can go go back maybe doesn't it still do that i i don't remember that's the thing i don't recall i was i I feel like even after you talk to her it still gives you the chance of like are you sure you really want to do this because i remember it being a little bit stupid in that like there are two or three steps that prevent you from screwing things up. And I remember thinking like, I don't know why I needed the second or third one. Like you had two more before it. Um, But yeah, that, that one took me an embarrassing amount of time to figure out. Yeah. But yeah, so I I did that. That's why I've had you mule things is I'm, I, in case you've wondered, you've been muling things for me to a prior save state. Um, to like finish or to world changes with endings Mm. because I do want to get the platinum, but I also like playing around in certain areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, I look forward to playing more. Like I said, I'll probably play some more later today. Once I finish, I gotta go shopping after this, finish doing the, watch the movie and then relax and play some Elden Ring. Yeah. I got to see if my cousin got to the, twister town because if he did i'd be like oh this would be fun to kind of go through this place you know in a group um that could be fun because also we got to do the sewers run through there right uh but i was like yeah it'd be fun to do this big zone but he has to be there so i gotta see if he made his backup save and then uh i guess we could are you playing through the entire game with him no i i didn't play through the entire game like i i've only played uh i've haven't played nearly as much i haven't played much more with him so like duo as we have trio so it's not like i've I've been playing a whole lot like i the only reason like we did a well i guess technically we did because we did run around limgrave a lot but i had already finished like all the main stuff in limgrave the only thing we did was like it was side content cleanup like that's typically what i do like i'm not doing like when we got to lindell like that was like the first time i ever like did like hey i essentially co-opt this huge zone all the way through i did it with him for a little bit then i did it with the three of us and i did it with him again um and like that's like the only major area where i did the bulk of my exploration and co-op um but typically no because i i i mean that's the thing with the souls games i like to run around uh, that's why when i find like a cave i mark it and go okay i'll save this to co-op because like then it's something that we can do. It's easy to get to. It's just a quick you know jaunt through whatever. Grant the downside is that you know it's usually where we just wreck it, um, which is why I was like, okay, maybe Lindell, it would be fun. And it does seem like a lot of the boss fights that we end up doing, even the field bosses, it's like 
being in co-op is really detrimental to the fight. Like when we fight that bird uh, on our way to the, the castle, it was like, it was a pain. And then I just sold him. And then we did the fight in that castle. And it's like the do with the light oh, yeah. and peg leg. And it's like, it's kind of a pain. We almost get there, almost get there and not quite. And then I just, I ended up soloing them. The uh, co-op in this game, definitely. It's interesting because I feel like co-op in previous games, if you have a summon, they can just wreck the boss for you. In this game, the HP scales up enough that I feel it actually is sometimes more challenging. Now, granted, neither your cousin or I are using like any of the really broken builds. Like, if all three of us are rocking moon veils or rivers and doing like bleed builds, we we would wreck these bosses. But when you're playing with kind of legit builds or more normal builds, I think it makes the experience harder for you as opposed to easier. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a lot again, a lot of time it's that aggro like that lightning peg leg guy. It was just his window of opportunity is very small. Bouncing aggro is hard. And he yeah, bouncing aggro is just a pain in the butt. And it's like it's worse with the dragons, because then it's like, where the hell is it gonna go? Uh, okay, well now I gotta run way over there, and then maybe it aggroes someone else. I'm like, oh crap, can we stop triangulating our positions and just actually go in one spot? Like it's like that's the problem. It's like, okay. You know, everybody scatters from the fire or whatever, and it's ah, oh, and it just becomes kind of a pain in the butt. Dragons are annoying because, like, when you're just fighting them solo, you know, when they do their breath attack, it's always directed at you, and you just kind of strafe to like the left very slightly and get up close to attack. Or if they yeah. jump in the air, they always blow their breath to one side, mm-hmm. and you always know it's going to be in a path at you, but it's going to be like weighted towards the left or the right, so that you can just kind of, you know ride torrent to the other side and you're fine but yeah when it's three people playing all at once it's like oh oh my god you're going this way now you've changed 90 degrees midair very quickly yeah cool 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 yeah i do i do wish some of the normal enemies hp would increase just slightly more um for like the base guys uh not initially like the big beefy boys but yeah i i, I would like to see maybe just just a little more like it, it is because there's somewhere it's like oh instead of two hits it takes three hits you know and it's not three full hits it's like oh you got you know a little chunk left of health so i gotta hit you one more time but i kind of wish it'd be like maybe just a little more um you know just to give it a little more of a challenge i suppose but yeah it's uh yeah sometimes you just like can roll through some of that stuff what else is there? i was gonna say something else but i forgot what it was we're talking about dra- oh i do like that dragons are like even though I'm way late game and super powerful, if I go like fight one of the dragons in Kayla, like they still have a lot of HP and they still hit pretty hard. Like I like that. It's like, they're like the one enemy that like seems to, they don't get exponentially easier as you gain, as you go along in the game. Like there's still a challenge to take. Yeah. They get a little easier as you do more damage in the sense that like you kill them faster, but HP wise, they're still, they're pretty much always a threat. Like the one in Kaled with the rock breath is even at higher levels is still a pretty good threat. And even when you do more damage is still a good threat. Cause if you fuck up once or twice, like you're doomed yeah, and but- leveling up gets you maybe like one extra chance or way to avoid death. Yeah. And even that one on the bridge. And I, I think the reason they do it is because they drop the hearts, which give you dragon magic. So it's like they have to make them because they drop an item that gives you new abilities. Um, or as a currency for new abilities, they have to make them still a challenge. Like they don't want to make them all like super easy. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do like how it's, you know, come across that. Oh, I want a challenge right now. Oh, I'll go fight a dragon real quick. Um, but yeah. 
Uh, yeah, yeah some, of the, some of the higher level dragons are some of the most challenging enemies in the game, I think. Yeah, the one that was, it was more annoying, and not because of him, but more of his attacks, was that one that you fight uh, at the end of Fia's questline, where it's like, he, it wasn't that he was bad, it's that that dumb red lightning could be really His, annoying. Yeah, and it can just kind of hit you anywhere. Yeah, I was like, I hate this, I don't I don't get it. And then, uh, yeah, so that was, that was a little bit of a pain. Uh, the one thing I didn't like about the fire giant, and I, I don't like about big, a lot of big, huge bosses in this game. Uh, I'm trying to think of any other boss that kind of gave me an issue, but I feel like it was the fire giant was like kind of the main one that it stood out because the boss is so huge is that it can get to the, because you're up there right at his feet attacking. There are certain move sets that like souls, the souls games are really good at visual cues. You know, you do that at what they call anticipation in, you know, film and shows or whatever, where if someone winds up for a punch, you're anticipating that punch and that punch is going to happen. So there's a, a big, the antic for it is huge. And, you get that in the Souls games, but they don't do that for the audio usually. Like, some, there is some audio in the games, but not a whole lot. So the problem with fighting a big boss at their feet is that when they start to do a move, if it's anything beyond a standard, oh, raise my foot, or I'm going to do my <laughs> somersault roll to get away, like, there's certain moves that he does where I'm like, okay, is it the slam the fire into the ground move? You're is describing everybody's problem with the fire giant fight. Yeah, it's like... The fire giant fight is like the area where I started getting annoyed because the, the boss fight itself isn't super hard. He's, he's yeah. not a complicated boss fight, Yeah. but every attack you can't actually see due to the design of the boss. When it's like, okay, mm -hmm. yeah, I guess it's a giant. So yeah. yes, you're under a giant. You can't see it, but yeah, it's like half the time I'm like, okay, something's going to happen. So I should roll now. Or I like run up and attack its feet a few times and run away. It's just like, it's not a telegraphed fight that's really fun. It's more of just like swing and attack, swing and attack. Hope that whatever's going on above me isn't some horrible thing that will one shot me and is instead something I can just like sidestep or dodge. Yeah. Like, is he doing the flame hands or is it the explosive ball that seeks you out? Like, you know, or okay, he's doing something. Is it going to be the spouts of fire out of the ground? Cause that one's easy. You just find a, an empty space and stand there. But it's like, if I roll, because I think it's going to be something else. And I actually roll into a fire spout. I'm like, Oh, great. Yeah, this isn't what I want. So, and it's each of those attacks by themselves, not hard to dodge at all. Exactly. Like when but you when know you... which one is coming, not hard to dodge at all. Yeah. It's not like other enemies where you're like, okay, I need to learn how to dodge this. This is a challenge that I need to like increase my skill towards. And that's why it was annoying. Is like this one is is not like that. They're not difficult to dodge. It's just annoying because you can't see anything. And some people could argue like, you know, that's the point. It's a giant, but that doesn't mean it's good design if you exactly. can't see anything on the boss like okay that means that i'm literally ignoring all of the work you guys put into animation i mean that boss could just be completely stationary yeah like like the, from ankle up and, and just we, make noises and you, you wouldn't get the, know the giant eye and the on the chest i'm like yeah well it doesn't matter i'm a melee person i have to be at his feet to do anything and it's like i'm not going to sit back and look at the eye and shoot the eye or something like it was funny because my cousin started using the 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 big boy bubble blower and like, ah, suck the bubbles. Mother <laughs> like using that on, I'm like, okay, that works. But it's like, yeah, it's, I'm right up on his feet. So I can't see this cool design that you put where I see the crazy eyeball on a test. It's like, I have to be up at the front 
and or up the feet and smacking them. So I don't get a look at your cool boss design because it's there. Like at least, you know, a fight like Amygdala is, yeah, you attack the feet or the tail, but you do very little damage. And then the boss jumps away and usually like rips off their arms and slams on the ground. You got to deal with this thing for a bit. Like they, they move so you can see them and they do like another phase or something like they, they go and yeah, he does roll, but it's like, yeah, okay, he rolls. It's like, great, whatever. That doesn't do anything because I can just, I go back up to you and I mean, he rolls, but he rolls as an attack away from you Mm -hmm. as like a dodge mechanic. And that just ignores you otherwise and prepares his other attacks as you're trying to get closer and, yeah, it's just it's a fight where you don't really get to appreciate the scale of the fight because the entire fight is spent at his ankle. And I like I'm not appreciating the scale. I'm not saying the scale of it in terms of like actual size, but like the scale of importance of the fight you don't appreciate because it's just like whacking at a tree trunk. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's it's it's. That was one of the fights that, like, I tried not to spoil it for you, but that annoyed me. And mm-hmm. not because of difficulty. I was just like, this is just a stupid fight. Like, not. I think I died, like, once to it, and I'm like, I, I'm just not enjoying this fight. It's just stupid. Like, I can't see anything. It's not hard. It's just obnoxious. And it's just a fight where I'm like, I'm not having fun. I don't feel like I'm getting any better at the game or, like, learning any cool tricks or abilities by playing through it. I'm just getting annoyed. Yeah, just slash, slash, slash. Like, at least the, even the tall gargoyle guys, like, you could, they're big, but you could still see them. And, like, it, it, they're, you could still get them in frame and attack them, you know, pretty well and still see their entire moveset. But they're not, because they're not as colossus as this freaking dumb giant. But. I definitely feel like the Souls games have never done a great job with oversized bosses. And we even talked about this earlier about how, like, the mid sized and smaller humanoid bosses tend to be their, like, strong suits. And, I I think that that is especially true with the fire giant, yeah, and some other ones like Astel, um that you fought. I yeah, thought that's kind of like the same thing where it's teleports all over the place. You should have torrent, but you don't have torrent. It just it wasn't hard. There were no weird abilities to dodge that were difficult. It was just annoying, and the only time you got injured is if you fucked up due to being like annoyed. I liked the the first instance that the natural born in the void, but the second one that you fight that's in the consecrated snowfield is one of the bosses. Uh, that one was, that one was kind of annoying and I don't know why that one was annoying where the, I liked the first one. Like the thing that annoyed me about the Isn't first it one, literally the exact same boss. I feel like there was yes, no difference of moveset there, there, or anything. There was no difference. I just don't know what it was. Like I liked the first one, but I didn't enjoy the second one as much. I don't know what it was. I don't know. I don't know why, because I, I, I think it was more, maybe it was just that discovery of what the hell is this and learn it. Because the, the thing that annoyed it was a smaller boss arena in the second one, which is nice. And so he didn't seem to teleport as far away. Um, I, I wouldn't say it didn't. It wasn't like a, a crazy shift in how I felt about the fight. I still like those fights because it's a big boss, but they're flat. So they're close to the ground. You can still see what they're doing when you rotate the camera. Um, yeah, that one does better with the big boss design in terms of at least seeing stuff but Mm. i feel like accompanying the big boss of not being able to see stuff fire giant is the other problem of when you have a big boss like that and for some reason 
you have to run up to it and you don't have torrent, but the fight feels like it was designed for torrent. And Fire Giant at least gives you torrent, but mm-hmm. well, I mean, I guess you didn't have that because you were playing co-op. Um, but like Astal doesn't give you torrent; you just have to like run up to it. So every time it teleports away, it's like, okay, well, let me run for a minute to get to the other side. Hopefully, you don't teleport again. I, by then. I, I do like the run up to, to those two those two bosses though because I like dodging the laser beam. Um, that's just fun to me. I like just being able to boop, dodge it. It's just a, a fun, like, oh, you missed me. But, uh, but it, it's not hard to dodge that. Right. So it's, it's like, just fun to dodge, though. It, <laughs> I, I wish the run-up was shorter. Like, it's very, very long in each of those. Um, that if, if the boss is going... Like, I don't like the running away as the dodge mechanic, I guess is my point. I like a boss to actually dodge similar to how we dodge so that it feels more fluid back and forth. And if the dodge mechanic is to just run and go to the other side of the map, it just is less interesting to me. At least the... Well, that that that, that was the good thing about that second fight is the arena was smaller than the big one. Um, but... And if you, if you try to fight in at least the center, uh, you can kind of avoid that to where... Uh, it you won't obviously you have the center of the arena, so the the run will be the long. At least it's not as bad as Radon. The r- run up to Radon was like the worst thing in the entire game. It's like, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, at when least you... he doesn't run away though. That no, was true, a, a but he's like he's side. still attacking you, and it's like okay, yeah, you can summon people, run up, but it's like yeah, you got to dodge. It. And I was like, sure, you can get torrent, but it's still a long run up to him, and you got to dodge his arrows, and then the also the arrows that fly down from the sky, and it's just like. Oh, I hate this run up. It's so annoying. I'm like, I would hate to do this in co-op because you can't uh, use torrent to get up there. I'm like, oh my god. Um, I tried it in co-op um, as a summon to help because I thought it might be a fun fight to help on since I enjoyed Radon so much. Uh, it's not. <laughs> is that do, okay? So do they let you at least like because the way they have it where you can see the summoning signs of npcs can you just go in the field and put your summoning sign down anywhere or do you ha- still have to do it at quote unquote the entrance like i had to do it. it at a summoning pool that's annoying i, I uh, feel like that fight would have been better if you could put your sign down in the middle of the arena well, um i didn't i uh, full disclosure i didn't actually try that mm-hmm. um i tried putting it down in certain spots like before you get teleported and nothing worked. So I just put it in the summoning pool and then got summoned immediately. So I think it has to be there yeah. for that fight. But yeah, I don't disagree. It would be kind of cool if similar to how um, how you can summon NPCs, like randomly you could just summon an actual player. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, so just just for that fight because of that mechanic of all yeah, the other specifically for that one. Yeah, and uh, it, I, I forgot about the level cap for cooperation. And because I was trying to like, oh, I'll go uh, do some co-op and help someone do a fight. But then I was like, I wasn't getting summoned. I was like, why am I not getting summoned? I'm like, oh, it's probably because I'm way higher than I should be for this boss here. So no one's going to be able to get me. I was like, oh, yeah, never mind. I can't I can't help anybody. (laughs) So I can only help people in the end game zones if I'm at that same level. Now you're understanding the other reason I've been viewing shit is because of that. And it's like it's fun to play with you and stuff. But I don't want 19 builds where I have to have like a build at 50, a build at 60, a build at 70, a build at 80. Like, it's fun to help people fight bosses again. And just because of the level cap and stuff, and, like, you can get downscaled if you have a password, but you can't get downscaled otherwise. So if you actually want to help people kill random bosses and you want to do more than just the endgame bosses, you need builds at every level, which is kind of unfortunate. And is one of the reasons I've mulled so much stuff is 
it it's fun helping people or at least i find it fun helping people fight some of the lower bosses they're struggling with and once you get to a certain point of the game your character just can't get summoned for that anymore yeah they they should have it to where if um you know, obviously you can set the password and I'm, I'm sure maybe the subreddit has like a, a help me password. And then, so anybody doing that can help no matter what, like if there was a big community driven password thing, that'd be kind of cool. But it'd be nice if when you did also the groups, if the groups could act as a password as well, like, so that way you can summon anybody within the group and you get rid of that level cap. Um, because that, yeah, I would, I would love to be able to help people, but because unlike when we play co-op, there's no password. I can't, so it's like uh, a little annoying. I, maybe I should just look on like I wonder if people do who have like a request for help on the subreddit or something. If they go, hey, can anybody someone help me? I'll set a password. And you can be like, you know, help me one two three, and that way, there you don't have to worry about I don't have a character that level or yada yada. So you just quickly help. I mean, there's some good communities on Reddit and everything for um, for requesting help and things when you when you can't beat something. But I. This is problems I've had with Destiny and other games. I dislike it when a game encourages and allows help like that, but then doesn't really have mechanics to actually support that within the game. And by that, I mean, like, you can't... There's not... Like, you can summon people, but only at your level. You can't summon, like, random people that might be higher that want to help um, easily without Reddit or some outside thing. So it's... I, I wish it was a little bit easier because I think helping people is a lot of fun and it's kind of like the end game of Souls is PvP or helping people beat old bosses that they're struggling with. And mm. yeah, you, you can't really do that um, unless you maintain a character at specific levels. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be nice if they could do some changes on that later, but We'll see what happens in future games. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's uh, basically it for Elden Ring. I look forward to playing more of it. Um, hopefully, do some uh, more co-op and stuff. But um, uh, moving on to some fitness stuff, I've been so I tried. Uh, you know, Freshly always has like a promo. Although it's like, oh, hundred dollars off your first couple meals or whatever. And so I was like, you know, what? I'm going to try freshly because a problem I've been having recently, especially with the the baby, and I've I've had this even without the, the baby being around, is like uh, I I usually do meal prep where I meal prep my lunches usually by just you know making the 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 base meat and then I'll usually cook the rice uh, when I'm ready for lunch and you know yada yada. Um, in the past, I used to do because when I was at least if I when I went to work, I would meal prep like the entire thing, like four days worth, put them in little. You know, used containers. to be able to prep a shit ton of stuff ahead of time. Well, yeah, because I, I would, well, I still essentially do like half of that. It's just because I'm working from home, I don't meal prep my rice anymore. So now I just make the rice on the day because then it's, you know, it's fresher. And I'd rather have fresher rice. Um, but I, I used to do that where like, okay, I, I cook the meat for, you know, four days and I cook the rice and I portion them out, have them ready to go for work. And that's what I do. And then for dinner, I would kind of do the same thing where I would just, I would meal prep the meat um, and then later again, cook, cook the rice or whatever I'm going to have with it, you know, when I'm hungry. The problem I have now is like, sometimes I'm, I'm not in the mood to like, I don't have to cook, put the rice on, get the rice in, get it going. Or if I have to, you know, maybe I did it for the first couple of days, but I didn't actually cook the next batch of, you know, chicken or whatever. 
because I, I ate it all. So I didn't actually take time to, to cook the next bit. I'm like, oh, I just don't want to do it. And it's like, you know, I just want to, I'm tired. I want to relax or whatever. So I, I, you know, I'm going to give freshly a try because I got, you know, this promo. Um, so yeah, I tried out, I did only four meals at first. Uh, I, it, I do hate that they show up on Tuesday and not Monday. Like that kind of annoys me. I'm like, cause it, it just throw, it's so weird that it, they make it over the weekend and then you get it on Tuesday. I'm like, it's so fucking weird. Uh, now granted, if you order seven days, they, I think they, but the meals last long enough at least to get you through that Monday and then to the next Tuesday. But I had four meals, um, and just to try out to see how the meals were. And I, they were good. Uh, I like the, the sausage baked panne was good. The steak peppercorn one was good. The, I think it was the homestyle chicken. That was pretty good. And then I also had the, what was the fourth one? It was another, another chicken one. Um, oh, the chicken Parmesan or something like that. Uh, like they were all pretty good. The problem I have is that the macros is trying to get them to fit my macros <laughs> is a pain in the butt. Uh, the chicken ones are always easier because it's just high in protein. Um, because I'm essentially taking my chicken dinner that I would make normally and replace it with these. So it's like the sausage baked penne is delicious. Macros kind of suck for my needs. So it's like I could make it work if I retooled all my other meals. Like, okay, now I have to change my breakfast. I have to retool my lunch. I have to retool my, you know, whatever other snacks I have. And I, I was like, I don't want to do that. I like what I eat for breakfast. I like what I eat for lunch. And I like my my snack routine and everything. I was like, it's just the dinner that I'm changing. So I'll have to stick with uh, more chicken stuff. But I, I did try them out. They were, they were good. And the steak peppercorn one was okay. I feel like maybe that didn't microwave as well. Like it wasn't like bad. It was just kind of like neutral. Like you can have it sometimes for steak kind of loses its flavor um but yeah the, the packaging was good so i i did my second week where i'm i'm trying six meals now um to try a couple new ones basically they had some other chicken options and stuff like that but so far it so far they're good so i'm gonna be curious to see how well the sixth meal will last once i get to you know six days of having it in the fridge do you do you guys have Maven meals in your area? So I, I went through a lot of these just out of curiosity because I like cooking, but I also like my work is crazy hectic schedules that one of my worst habits for weight loss and nutrition was just uh, eating takeout when I just didn't have other food ready mm-hmm. to go or nothing like that. So I, I tried freshly. I tried HelloFresh. Um, I tried like grocery delivery services that just would like deliver meals along with food. Um, but the one I use now is Maven meals, which I don't know if it's in your area. Um, and they're, they like each week release, you know, the menu that you can pick from and select from, and it changes each week. So sometimes you have really good weeks and sometimes you have bad weeks, but the thing I've appreciated about it is generally the, stuff they make is a lot cleaner and a lot healthier so it's way easier to fit into um into like a actual diet that's a bit more balanced yeah um yeah i don't know if they're around um i'm looking at they deliver on mondays but it it was the i'm not going to say the tastiest option i've found but it was the healthiest option i've found to help out and their stuff is pretty tasty too they have some really good meals but the downside is, you know, they change their menu every week, so it's very hit or miss mm-hmm. in terms of whether or not you're actually going to get something you want and or like. Yeah, that that that's what turned me off to 
uh, trying uh, like HelloFresh. I mean, like one, yeah. I don't really want to cook a bunch of stuff. Like usually I cook, it's like it's it's more on the simple side. Um, HelloFresh, the challenge I had with it is just that you're still literally you're choosing your meals, but you're still literally cooking it, and it's more expensive. So it's like okay, yeah, you you prepackage the ingredients to speed up some of the prep time. But what I found with HelloFresh is I wasn't really saving that much time. Like it didn't save me money or time. Um, yeah. But Maven meals come at least pre-cooked or done. And it's usually just like, sometimes you'll have to heat them up in the oven for 20 minutes for like a, a lasagna or casserole type dish or when the dish is like, you know, appropriate to be heated up in the oven as opposed mm -hmm. to the microwave. But usually it's just, you know, microwave the meal to heat it up and you're good to go. Yeah. And it, it's not like the, the freshly necessarily are bad. Like they have good ingredients uh, looking at them for me. It's, it's just, again, that I'm eating, I need so much protein that like if I was just a normal person who wasn't, you know, strength training, person. well, who, someone who wasn't strength training or weightlifting, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be different. Um, or if I was in a bulk, it'd be different because then I wouldn't need as much protein to begin with. Um, it could be, oh, much less. It'd be easier to hit. Um, uh, but yeah, it's like trying to get with these just, yeah, they're, they're pretty, pretty low. Uh, I'm curious to see how uh, the price will break down once uh, the promo is over because I think that will kind of determine whether or not I almost never good. <laughs> well, it, it's not necessarily almost never good. Yeah. It's I'm, I'm looking at it now. It, it's like, Oh, well, if I didn't have the promo, this would have been, uh, it's like, Oh, it would have been like 83 22. Yeah. That shipping, that $9 shipping. It's like a, a shame. They don't have some kind of like, like you're already subscribing. Like if you had some committed subscription, like turn it down or something like, Oh, if you committed for X amount of weeks um, or X amount of meals per week or something like then they can get that shipping, that shipping cost down. Uh, but yeah, cause that $10 in shipping is, uh, is pretty high. But yeah, cause when I look at it, I'm like, well, you know, it's not too bad. Cause I, I figure the way I look at it as well is for six nights, it's like it's, I buy ground chicken, like, uh, you know, super low fat ground chicken. And it's like 10 bucks. Or ten ninety nine, I think maybe, um, for like a pound, and I a half a pound on each meal. So it's like I buy three of those. That's thirty bucks plus tax, and it's like okay, well, that's just for the chicken. It's like obviously, yeah, if I have rice with it, rice is very this cheap overall. Unrelated to meal prepper food, but that's a ridiculously expensive price for ground chicken, and it hate, makes me hate inflation. <laughs> that's well, I, so that's, much for ground chicken. It's been, I think that's been the price for ground chicken for. A long time, not just this recent inflation costs. Because um, the $10 price dollars or eleven dollars a pound. It's. I think it's because it's the brand. I don't know if it's. Uh... <laughs> I mean, that's like I, I believe you because that's how much it is out here. But it just is insane. Well, chicken's cheaper if you buy it like just boneless, skinless chicken. Like which is what I used to do. I used to buy because that's like that's like boneless, skinless chicken breast uh, is like a couple bucks a pound. So I'd buy like you know six pounds of it and that's like a week's worth of food and like okay i'm good to go um and just make it but because i'm buying ground chicken because it's ground chicken that that's what increases the price automatically is is that plus the low fat content um because like if you buy like i buy ground beef if i bought like the 80 20 that's pretty cheap i think like a pound of ground beef 80 20 is like eight bucks um but i buy the 93 7 so it's like i think that's yeah. nine maybe ten but it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm buying that. So it's like, yeah, because I, I, I used to be fine buying whole chicken breast, but, um, 
I'll take it. It's not whole chicken breast. We're buying skinless chicken breast, but it's just like, I, I, I just like, no, I want something easier. And it's like ground chicken is just so much easier. Um, so yeah, like, yeah. If I'm, if I'm spending 30 bucks for dinner for six nights, just the meat portion, not including the whatever, again, rice is cheap. So it, that's kind of negligible, but if I get other stuff with it as well, uh, you know, it kind of adds that value. And then it's like, okay, if I spend, you know, like I said, it was 80 something bucks for six nights. I'm like, I mean, I spent the other night cause I was curious how much food it would be. Like I bought like a, a catering meal from BJ brew house, curious to see how much food it was like, Oh, it's like, they say it's like 24 ounces of tri-tip. So I bought like the tri-tip one. It wasn't 24 ounces of tri-tip. And, uh, I bought, like, I was, was curious. It like, 24 ounces raw then like cooked. It was down to like 16 or something or did they? No, cause I, I've cooked a lot of tri-tip. So I know how, how much tri-tip shrinks, uh, yeah. after you cook it. And this like clearly wasn't, uh, that, that size. So I think they're just someone's, you know, eyeballing it and not doing it properly. But anyway, cause I was curious, cause that's what a lot of people do as well for, for cost savings. They'll buy a catered bunch of meals and then just portion it out. And you could do that really well with like Chinese food. Like that, that's, that's, uh, you know, Chinese food is typically pretty expensive, you know, relative to other meals, but it lasts a, a, a while. And if you don't eat a lot of it and you actually portion it properly, it's like, yeah, you could stretch out, you know, Chinese food for quite some time. Um, but yeah, I was like trying it for beer. Like, okay, I'll get a catered. And that was like, you know, I bought it off DoorDash. So I did have to pay, you know, a little bit in, uh, I have da- I had dash pass at the time. So I paid a little bit in extra fees and, and whatnot and a tip, but that came out to be like 60 something, um, maybe 70. I don't remember. And it's like that. It was like two nights. I'm like, okay, this didn't really last as long as I thought. So it's like, if I'm paying, you know, 80 bucks for, you know, six dinners, it's like, I, I feel like, okay, that's, you know, that's pretty fine. You know, that's 13 bucks. It's like, that's cheaper than any typical low meal that I could get from, you know, from DoorDash uh, because of the extra cost of, you know, keeping the dash pass up. And then also the, the tip you have to do as well. Um, and the, the places that upcharge their, their food because they're on dash pass. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to give it a shot. And if it's like, if it's, if they're pretty good and I feel like the six, cause I, I ate the other ones pretty fast. Like I didn't uh, stretch them out like I wanted to, to see how long they could, they could last. But yeah, I'll be curious to see if they last really long. I feel like it could be a, a good option. It's funny. Cause then they go, Hey, we're for a friend and they get uh, a six meal thing for free. They just got to pay shipping. I was gonna be like, Oh, Izzy's making me mule all this stuff for him. I should make him mule a week of this and just put my address. <laughs> but I, I started wondering, I'm like, that okay. is the only way to keep. Uh, that's the other problem I found with like those uh, food things is uh, the only way to keep them like cost effective is if you continually have referrals or whatever, which is their like business model. Like HelloFresh was only ever cost effective for me when it involved um, like the sixteen bonus meals or whatever. The like when they. They give the promo offers, and then you know if you quit, you get the like come back to HelloFresh for sixteen more meals. Um, but then, yeah, the referral, the friend referral things for free meals or free shipping are the only way I've ever been able to keep those cost effective out here. Because otherwise, like they just they they sneak up in price on you. And the problem I had is like you know you mentioned macros, but if they don't fit to your macros, you have to supplement and you end up spending money on other items to supplement that you maybe would not buy otherwise and it just all adds up yeah and and it's like the 
yeah, luckily it's just retooling the stuff I already have, and it's it's not too, like I said, it, uh, fixing it isn't too bad depending on the meals, but it's like, yeah, I couldn't do it with the sausage baked penne. There's not much protein in that. But like the chicken meals, it was pretty easy, and, uh, you know, it was, it was it was pretty fine. But, um, and yeah, that the little extra cost, I it would be if I didn't have problems, I'm fine with that uh, at the moment, you know, uh, but that's just because I have the, the, what do they call it? The, the privilege of being able to afford that at this time. Yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, if it was definitely, you know, lower. So, and there's, I imagine that they'll probably, if you stick with the model, they'll probably give you some kind of promo again, not just keep referring to friend, but I'm curious how much it would be. They're like monitoring the delivery addresses. Cause I'm like, well, what about people who have like roommates and they're like, Oh, I, you know, I, or, or maybe they're like a dorm or something like, do they monitor though that stuff? Like, what if I just, you know, like if my wife did it, like, obviously if, if my wife did it, we would just do it together in the same thing and just be like, Hey, give us uh, you know, 12 mils or something hypothetically. But I'm like, well, what if we did it separately? Um, it's like, would they be like, Oh no, that address is already associated. You know, kind of like, you know, email addresses, they go, Oh, that email address is already associated with account. Well, is this delivery? I do think that's what they do. I think they just say that, you know, it's already associated and they consider it taken. Yeah, I, I guess so. Like a like their internet service provider. Like now, someone already is paying for a, a internet service at that location, so we're, we can't. Like not saying that's a good thing, but I do think that's how it works. Yeah, I, I guess to prevent because the only thing that would stop people from keep quote referring friends is to uh, make fake email accounts. But uh, I should just be like, that's why I have to tell my cousin, like, okay, you're gonna mule this for me. I'm gonna have it sent to your house, and then you're gonna just swing by and drop it off to me. <laughs> I want to get the free food. Um, but yeah, it, so far it's pretty good. Like I said, I'll be curious to see how the next couple meals go. I, cause I had some new stuff, more, more of the chicken options to see how it tastes and then also how long it lasts. Cause that's, that's the thing is if I can't get them to stretch out long enough, then that's what yeah. makes it not worth it. That was the other problem I have with like Maven meals and what I use, but also like freshly is, uh, the meals only kept I assume this is what you mean of like actually going bad in terms of like having to throw it away. But my meals only kept for like three to five days. So there were times when I would hit, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday and would need to cook something new again, um, which, you know, at the tail end of a week, you don't always want to do. And it just they they couldn't stretch quite long enough, um, which I guess is the downside of fresh meals. But it was a problem I kept running into. Yeah, because everything the the meals I had that I got on Tuesday, so I got them on the nineteenth. Uh, the majority of them, uh, three of the four, uh, said the best by date was the twenty fifth, which is tomorrow, which would be the day before you get your next delivery. Um, so I'm like, okay, that seems reasonable. But for chicken, I've always found that you know, at least from my experience of cooking skinless chicken breast, is that typically four days is the max that they'll taste good. And once you get past that, then it's not like they're it's bad. It's just that that flavor, even you know, as plain chicken is, is is gone. So I'm like, I'm I'm just curious to see. And yeah, you can throw them in the freezer. Obviously, you won't. That's the other thing I need to test too. Is like, okay, they recommend eating them fresh. You can obviously throw them in the freezer, then they'll last a little longer. So I can see like, okay, well, if I can eat four of these, just keep them in the in the fridge, eat them the next couple days, and the other two have them in the freezer and just either let them dethaw before I microwave them or just have to microwave them longer uh i'd be curious then how long is that freshness um but then that's taking up freezer space 
and yada yada. So I'll be curious to see. Again, this is this is the like trial run part two because I only did four mils. Now it's six mils. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Because um, at least you know having one day of having to do something for dinner, it's like okay, I could I could do that. Or maybe it's like the just get you know Togo sandwich for dinner or something on the weekend or whatever. But um, but yeah, I'll be I'll be curious to see how that uh how that turns out. But um, but yeah, other than that, uh, the freshly stuff, everything else is going pretty good. I'm enjoying my new workout routine. I hit a PR on my squat the other day, uh, hitting two plates. Um, I'm over two plates now, I believe. I'm trying to look at my my history. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm over. I I squatted over two plates. That's my that, right now. I'm basically setting a PR every time I squat now. Um, I've been doing that for a while. Uh, my deadlift also is still going up. I'm not stopping there. Um, how I'm not quite on two plates on my deadlift, which I, sh- I could easily be at this point. It's just, I'm not, I'm trying not to just jump up a bunch just because I'm like, well, this is too easy. Let's just, instead of doing 10 pounds next time, let's jump up 25 pounds. Like, you know, you don't want to do that. Um, but yeah, those are going up. I'm, I'm at the point where I'm kind of, I'm stalling at the OHP, uh, like I'm still making progress. I, I hit a I hit a record on my OHP, but it's I and no, like that's I mean, that's where everybody across all the major lifts is the OHP is like the one that's always gonna be your weakest. Um like no one out there's hitting like a, a insane OHP. It's like that just doesn't happen. Uh and then yeah, my my bench uh got really strong shoulder muscles. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be yeah. These little itty bitty delts are so strong, but uh, like, even like climbers and people, yeah, that just doesn't happen. Yeah, uh, and then yeah, my my bench press is doing all right. I I don't know if I'm at. I don't think I've passed my PB or taking my PR on my bench press because it's I'm using a barbell. And I forget how high I got using dumbbells. But granted, the other thing is I don't know if maybe I fudge my range of motion with the dumbbells um, because it's a little more unstable uh, getting in position. Like I think I've done 150 with dumbbells back in the day. But I I know I've done 140 with dumbbells. And I kind of stopped there because the, the problem I have is like it's that initial setup. Uh, like if I was able to do them, like actually have them in a position up above, which is the benefit of the barbell. I would have gone more, but I, I stopped and it's like way back in the day. So I, I typically never go too high on the dumbbell ones. I just do higher reps. Um, but yeah, that's going up. But yeah, my, my squat, my, my deadlift, of course, are, the, are usually the across the board for anybody. Typically it's the main lifts that always just shoot up. So I'm, I'm still going up on those. Um, and then, yeah, I just, uh, it's going pretty well. I'm enjoying, I'm still doing three days a week um, right now. But uh, it's it's kind of a pain because I have to like work it around my kids, my oldest baseball schedule. Like, <laughs> you mean having a life interferes with your workout routine? Who would have thought? Well, no, it's like typically it's like even before baseball, it's like it's fine because then I can just easily easily fit in Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I like doing that. That way, I have the two day break on the weekend because Monday, at least right now in this routine, is the hardest day because that's when I'm doing my squats. Um, but yeah, it's like now it's like, oh, I got baseball practice or baseball games. So now it's like, okay, three days is easy 
that's why a three day word team is usually more malleable for people mm-hmm. uh, as well as full body being a better option for people who are busy. Uh, it's cause then I can, okay, I can do Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, but it's like, okay. And then usually on the weekends, I'm like, I don't want to work out on the weekends. I want to relax on the weekends, but yeah. So this, this last week I was actually able to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but I think this next week I'm going to have to do like Monday, Thursday, Saturday again, or something like that. So it's going to be really obnoxious. I, it, the reason it's more annoying on the weekends because my, my meal timing isn't the same as it is on the weekday. Like I don't always eat breakfast at the same time. Sometimes I don't even eat breakfast on the weekends. Um, usually I just wait and just eat lunch or whatever. But so yeah, it's like, I, I never get that meal timing quite the same as I do on the weekday. So it's like, I can always tell that that kind of affects my performance slightly, but whenever you eat differently, it always like, I feel like it always drastically affects performance, just even slight changes to like when you eat. Yeah. Yeah. And also it's the, my, I'm curious how much my sleep is messing up my, cause obviously sleep is like major factor. I mean, sleep's almost probably the biggest one way. Yeah. Sleep's like way up sleep there. And drinking water. Yeah, sleep, even, yeah, even more so it's, it's sleep. But yeah, making sure you're hydrated, uh, that's a big one. But yeah, sleep is like, especially for recovery, not even just performance, um, because if you don't recover, that affects performance. Uh, but yeah, so I'm curious how much my my sleep schedule, because the baby's kind of messing me up. Like, I'm I'm still going up my squat, so I'm like, okay, well, I'm all right there. But it's like every other lift, like how much more, how much better would my bench feel or how much better would this feel? And I'm, I'm curious, like, all right, you know, how how fast am I going to hit that maximum recoverable uh, recoverable volume because of my sleep versus if I had my sleep was on point would I be able to go like another couple of weeks before I have to do a deload or something so it'll be it'll be interesting to see but yeah I, I do wish my my sleep was a uh, a little more on point but it's tough to get there right now speaking of sleep. I did. Uh, so I've, I've been doing the five by five pretty much since we started this. Um, haven't really moved on to other stuff or tweaked other stuff since it's just worked well for me so far. And I've yet to really hit roadblocks. But uh, I did my first hike of the year, the season um, yesterday. And holy shit, it kicked my ass to the point where I'm like, I need to do more leg strength training. I was winded, like both cardio and my legs were dying after what was a very average hike for me um so i'm like okay i need to i need to step up my routine because it was it was just kind of embarrassing like one of those things where i suffered way more than i should have doing this hike so i'm i'm thinking about looking into tweaking things for the summer so i can enjoy the outdoors a bit more yeah yeah i i I wanted to do like, I was like, oh, well, Elden Ring, I I kind of wish I had, uh, I, I was like, I should get like a, a mini TV or I should uh, hook up my laptop and just remote play because then I could be like, oh, I'll just use my treadmill and just walk, put the, because I, I, t- I talk about, I don't know if you're on that podcast, I uh, but I was telling Zaya, I was like, I, I want to get, like my treadmill I have does have some arms on it that you can put on. Um, I don't because then it makes it not as collapsible friendly uh if you do that and the arms aren't like easily detachable it's kind of a pain in the ass to put them on um so i've never put them on i was like oh i could put them on and then i get like a tray and put it over and then put my laptop on that tray and then just play uh auction not included while i'm walking on the treadmill i'm like 
that'd be great. And then like, once I finished Elden Ring, I'm done with whatever else. Like I could do that. But I was like, oh, I could also do that where I do the same thing, but I just remote play my PS5 and just play Elden Ring. That way I can do all the side stuff or whatever. It's like I don't necessarily have to play it on a big old TV because I'm right there. Uh, but yeah, I, I wish my... Because if I had my living room set up, like back in the day, I was trying to buy a couch with a with a chase, like a removable chase. That way I could put my treadmill there and just walk and treadmill gaming. Um, that is one of the benefits of having the collapsible uh, exercise bike is that it's a little more space effective and I could use that while while playing a game as well. The problem I have there is sometimes, unlike walking, sometimes I will... Uh, it's like people who drive automatic and they actually start going a little faster than they realize they're going, I suppose, or like a song comes on. It's like when I'm walking, I it has to be at the, the speed in which the treadmill's moving. So if I walk too fast, I can tell because I start stepping up. I start hitting the front of the treadmill. If I go too slow, you start you feeling your foot kind of hitting off the back rollers. You know, like, okay, I can find my equilibrium. Where on a bike, you're doing the output. So sometimes I might actually overdo it. And then I realize, oh, I'm sweating now because I'm, I'm actually going a little more than I should be while I'm gaming. And I don't want to start, you know, build, getting up a sweat right before bedtime. I'm like, I'm not going to hop in the shower right before bed. I want to, I just want to do this low intensive steady state cardio, <laughs> you know, low impact steady state cardio. Uh, that way I can still game and not have to worry about that. And if walking is just much easier. So I, I wish I had more space in my living room to be able to put my treadmill down. I thought about, well, what if I just push the couch back? Then I could get some room. Um, but yeah, it's like the treadmill is just slightly a little too long. I guess if we got rid of some of that bookshelf stuff against the wall, maybe, but yeah, it's oh, first world problems. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. Cause I would love to be able to, I would totally just walk on the treadmill while exploring the lands between, you know, if I was able to set it up super easy. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I guess that'll wrap it up for this episode. And then next week I'll have a follow up at least on a couple days worth of the new bout of Freshly. And then I won't have a, a complete follow up on the freshness of the final mail until the week after that. But uh, we'll see if I, I'll be curious to see if I end up finishing Eldrin. Cause I, I, I want to play Tiny Tina's Wonderlands cause I, I hear it's real good. And I'm curious if my cousin would get, I was like, oh, that would be a real fun game to, to go from co-oping and Elden Ring to co-oping and Tiny that would Tina's be a good one for it, yeah. And it did just have some DLC come out as well. Um, which Has was DLC good. already didn't it come out like two weeks ago? It might have, but it's like it just came out like some Wicked Ice Witch or something like that. Um, but yeah, like I hear it's really good. Like everybody, I've heard people talk about it on podcasts and stuff how it's a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, it just seems like it'd be a fun co-op game to play. Um, and then like I started thinking, I was like, what if I just went back and replayed? Because I never beat the end of borderlands three is like what if i just replayed borderlands three because now it's got the ps5 I mean, borderlands three has changed enough and it's in a pretty good spot that you'd probably have a great time playing through it again yeah the problem is i i wouldn't want to play through solo like i'd want to replay the entire thing like co-op but i that won't happen uh but yeah i, I want to play tiny Tina's wonderlands and then i gotta play i want to play the returnal dlc i also want to try returnal co-op with you just to see how it feels yes I need to get um, back into Returnal. I need to try that. That might be what I go to after Elden Ring. Yeah, once I finish Elden Ring, I'll, I'll hop in that because that'll be at least easier. It's a solo thing I could do. Uh, I want to play Apex, but it's so hard to find time and people to play with. Like, there's people in the MinMax Discord who 
do play it, but they're it's kind of like it's so one a lot of them are East Coast, so it's really hard to fit that time get that time schedule. Like, that's the only downside about that that Discord is all the people that are over there. And then people, some people don't play rank. Some people only play certain modes. So it's like, it's hard to find time. Uh, and I, I could just queue up. You, that's one reason I do like playing rank though, is I'll just queue up solo. And then uh, it's usually not as bad. But yeah, I, I want to play. There's a lot of stuff I want to play right now. And then I also want to do the Assassin's Creed DLC. The, the Dawn of Ragnarok, I think is what it's called. Um, it's also on Hammer, sale. not side. Hammer. Oh, maybe you can't hear it on your end. There's like hammering outside. Oh, there's hammering. Yeah. I thought I thought you correct me. I like you're like it's hammer, not side. I was like, no, what, no. What uh, did I say? <laughs> sorry. Oh. <laughs> so, all of a sudden, like hammering outside of my window. I'm like, yeah, well, someone's doing a project. No worries, I can't hear it. Uh, but yeah, there's there's also a lot of deals going on at PlayStation Store right now. I forget what they are. There are. I I played through them or I looked through them, and it's just like a lot of them are things I already own because yeah. I feel like this is something we commonly get into. Of like the mm-hmm. deals are on the popular games, uh, which is great. It's not a bad thing, uh, but I can't see how much the deals are for, and I just haven't looked up what the deals are actually on. Yeah, yeah, because I saw the the Dawn of Ragnarok DLC was on sale. I was like, oh, I could get that now. I was like, but I don't want to get it now because I'm not actually going to play it just yet. Like I'm still playing this and yada yada. But there's just a lot of stuff. It's just enjoying too much time in in Elden Ring. And I want to get back and play some more auction not included, but I don't know when I'll I gotta wait until I It's a good good problem to have. First world problem to have. I suppose, yeah, to have a little too much. And I got too many shows I gotta watch. Like that's why I was I was surprised I was actually able to break away from Elden Ring to watch a one one series of a show. Like I was where I was like, oh I want to watch the Batman, but I don't have three hours to pull away from Elden Ring. Like I'll start Severance. Uh and then it's like I am just <laughs> watching. You watched all of Severance. Well, well the, the thing about Severance, I figured it's good at leading you into the next episode, though. Like you, you want to watch the next episode with each ending. Well, the problem I have with Batman is like, okay, well, if I watch it, I'd have to do it typically because it's three hours. I'd have to do it at night after the kid goes to bed, and the baby's laying down, you know, eating and trying to go to sleep with his mom. But that's usually when he can be fussy. So it's like, okay, well, and plus by the time my oldest goes to bed, she's about eight thirty. And so it's like, okay, three hours. Like, do I want to go to bed at 1130? No, not really. And uh, and it's like in the middle of the day, I don't want to constantly have to keep, you know, pausing the film to stop and do something in case I got, it was like, I'd rather, that's why I was like, okay, well, Severance, at least they're like 40 minute episodes. I can pause them or, you know, I don't mind pausing the show to get up and go, you know, take care of the baby or watch the baby sick or hold the baby and, you know, what have you. It's like, but uh, yeah, three hours, like that's just a long time to commit to have to sit down, even though I binged essentially the all of Severance yesterday. So it's like, <laughs> it's just, you know, sometimes that happens. Yeah, you, that, that does you happen. get caught up. And there's also a difference, like episodes usually have a bit of a better break than you're going to run into pausing a game, like yeah. or pausing a movie or even if it's a larger time span, it has a built in break every 50 minutes, whereas with a movie, you don't know where to pause or when to pause without breaking your immersion. Yeah. Yeah. I, cause I started watching the Batman last night. Cause I was like, all right, let's try, let's try watching it. And then I, I got like an hour and 19 minutes in. And then, uh, it was like, yeah, the, the baby was being too fussy. So like, okay, I'll just stop and I'll finish it. Cause I still got like two hours left. I'll finish it tomorrow. Um, but that was fine. Um, and then, yeah. Oh, the, the one thing I, you know, I talked about my Apple watch last week. And I was enjoying it. The one thing I noticed is that, I, so I bought like a little protective case for it, a little snap-on simple one. The downside, because it's not like a complete enclosure case, like some you can get, it's just, it's a snap-on case, is that 
I find when I work out that I don't like sweat a lot on my arms uh, or on my wrists, but like naturally, but because you're wearing something, you do slightly. And so when I look at it, sometimes I'll be like, there's, well, I'll take it off and I'll notice that there's moisture on the inside of the protective case. <laughs> like not a lot, but like there's some there. I'm like, oh, so just the heat and, you know, whatever little sweat there is, like little moisture starts getting up inside. I'm like, okay, well, let's just go ahead, take it off, wipe it down, put it back on. So that's like the only downside I've noticed to, to wearing the, the Apple watch while exercising. But, uh, and then, yeah, of course, like I talked about last week, the, the random minutes, right? Just like the things like, Oh, clearly that was a workout. I'm like, nah, I, it wasn't. Yeah. I might've exerted myself a little bit to do something, but that wasn't a clearly workout. I was distressed in life. Yeah. I was, I was just helping. I was, I was moving something heavy real quick. It wasn't a workout. If it's one minute, don't put it on there. <laughs> like I, I feel like there should be some kind of threshold. Like if you catch me doing something, you know, exacerbating for 10 minutes, then put it on there. Don't like, Oh, one minute. It's like, no, don't do that. This is nothing. So <laughs> just makes you feel out of shape. Well, it's just dumb. I'm like one. It's like, clearly this, I wasn't like, if you're smart enough to know, to identify what you think is a workout based on heart rate and whatnot, you should know, like, no, I'm not doing wind sprints and then stopping and doing it again. Like it should be like, there should be a threshold for, okay, you have an elevated heart rate, but it should be for a certain amount of time. And maybe if you see me moving, you know, okay, I'm walking or something. And you, you go, okay, this is clearly doing something. If it's like, oh, that was a minute good workout like no one's doing micro like this isn't a thing no one does a micro workout like oh yeah I for mean, one the closest minute- i can think of is when you do like hit training and you're like you really exert yourself and like run up steps and sprint up steps for like you know 30 seconds and then stop for like 30 seconds but your your heart rate's probably not going down enough there that the phone would think you were doing only 30 second workouts it would probably think you right. were continue it, I, the point would be to continue and keep your heart rate up the entire exactly time. like if you, if you if you see me just do small spike like that's it like i'm surprised like when i was watching severance it wasn't like oh your heart rate's elevated you know because you're watching this this really tense moment it's like oh you're clearly working out i'm like yeah that's right working out watching a show it is kind of creepy though that like <laughs> they they could in theory you know pair your activity on severance to your heart rate going up and be like, oh, look, it looks like this show made his heart rate jump up. It's a successful show. Like, they have enough data, like enough metadata on you to pair those two. Yeah, since it's an Apple show. that that they, There just was a game on PC where it's like, if you wore a heart rate monitor, like, it would increase the fear uh, based on oh, yeah, how high had, your heart rate was. They've had horror games like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Which I've, I've always thought was somewhat gimmicky, but, like, it's fun to watch a streamer do it. Well, it's like I I love like I would love to see that in like because uh, the the other gimmick thing I like too is like in uh, Alien Isolation, it had that mode where you can turn on your mic and if you made noise, the alien would hear it. Um, yeah, that was always cool. I didn't use that at the time because I had a baby, my first kid. So I'm like, well, I don't want him making a noise and then. I mean, it would alien. just teach you that you can't have a baby if an alien is getting you, or else you're just fucked. All oh, right, I don't know why John Krasinski would have a kid in a Quiet Place. Like, why would you even do that? Like, just be like sorry kid <laughs> but uh yeah it, it's uh 
I, I didn't turn it on the time, but the idea, I always wanted to play, do a playthrough of it like that, where I could just be like, because I love watching clips where someone like freaks out, and then at the end, they're like, <sighs> and the alien's like, <laughs> like, oh, damn it. <laughs> and like, I messed up. But that's always funny. Um, all right. Well, that'll go ahead and wrap it up for this episode. So thank you all to tune and listen. Thank you, Gizzy, for joining. Yep. And we'll see you all next time. Later. <laughs>